morning, good morning. Good morning. Come on, church, wake up. I know it's a rainy Sunday. It's a little dim and rainy and kind of you just want to get cozy and kind of just fall asleep. I tell you what, for today it's all right if you do that. Somebody's asleep next to you, just let them rest in peace in the presence of God. Amen? I believe God can still do something. It don't matter if we're awake or asleep. Maybe some of you need to be asleep so God can really speak to you. You can stop arguing with Him. Amen? You all nice and comfortable? Good, let's stand. For the reading of the Word. Let's reverence the reading of the Word this morning. Amen? Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in this word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with Him is full redemption. He Himself will redeem Israel from all of their sins. Can we say amen? Amen. High five somebody before you're seated. Love on somebody before you're seated. Let them know how good they look in church. Let them know how awesome it is that they came to church today. Come on, love on somebody. Love on somebody real quick, real quick. Some of you grumpy people, I know that's hard. But we just pray against the spirit of grumpiness up in this house. Father, we just thank you for your presence, which breaks the chains, God. We thank you, God, that you are forgiveness, that you are redemption. We thank you that we can sit in your presence today without shame, without condemnation, without guilt, without judgment. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I don't know if it's the rain or nothing, but I'm just like in a mellow mood. Amen. That'll probably change in a few minutes, but we've been doing a series for a few weeks now because I wanted us to kind of take a journey through some passages in the Bible and walk through them with you, even though, you know, you might have heard these stories so many times. You can't imagine, this is sermon for me in this, at the sanctuary, this is sermon number 273. Can you imagine 273 times having to come up with a word? And, 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 and you have to think, like, wait, but I already shared that story. But wait, I already spoke about that. But wait, I already spoke about that. But it doesn't matter, amen? We just need to hear the Word of God unfolding in us. And we need to, to, to hear the Word. See, the, the Word of God is like, you ever had one of those subway maps? 
or those little maps that they come real little, and then you open them up, and you open them up, and they unfold, and they unfold. You ever had one of those? You ever, you ever had to look, right? all the tourists, you see them on the subway? Right, they're unfolding, and, and, and then once you have it all open, then you could kind of see the whole picture, and you could see where you are. Amen? The Word of God is like one of those maps. You ever try to put one of those maps back? Once that joint is open, it's open. Amen? You, good luck trying to make it neat and trying to put it... The Word of God is like that. Once that thing is unraveled, it's unraveled. Amen? See, we're such a, a diverse group of people. We've had so many different experiences and so many different encounters. And, and what I really felt on my heart for this season was to do a series that would allow us to kind of challenge what we've heard. I mean, you know, sometimes we've got to challenge what we've heard. Amen? So too many things we believe as Bible that are in Bible. Too many things we believe because we've heard it, we've seen it on the internet, and we know everything on the internet has to be true. Okay. And so I wanted kind of to journey through the scriptures and find the source of the stuff that we believed in, and then so we can choose for ourselves if we're going to continue to stand on. What, what I wanted to do for this season is to take a fresh look at grace. And the series titled, Forget What You Heard. Amen? Forget what you heard. And so the story, the first story I shared with you was the story of the prodigal son. And we, we went through the story that Jesus made up. You know that, this, that story? Jesus made up that story to tell, to bring a point. So I don't know about you, but if the master makes up a story, that means he has creative rights over that story. That means he really wants to get a message across. And so if he's making up a story to get across, I, I don't know about you, but I want to hear what's in that story. Amen? And so we, we, we talked about it. It was a story about a, a, a two brothers. And one, one says to his father, give me all of my inheritance. And then he goes and he wastes it all on prostitutes and crazy living. And then when he comes to his senses, he comes back and he wants to repent. And, and we see, we get the picture of grace in that story in the way that the father, when he saw him from far away, that means he was waiting for him. That means he was looking for him. That means he was searching for him. When he saw him from far away coming, the, the old man started running with his chancletas and he ran to him. And he falls on his neck and he hugs him and he kisses him. And even before he heard the whole, I'm sorry, puppy, I did this and I'm sorry and I did this and I'll never do it again. And I promised that before he heard all of that, he restored him and he received him. Amen. And then the other brother got mad and because he never did that for him and because he thought he was so self-righteous and so he didn't want to go to the banquet that he threw. And so the father leaves the banquet to come after the second son and to invite him in the banquet. And so the picture that we get of grace is that the father doesn't care about the feast. The father cares about his sons. And in the second story we shared, story number two, it was the story of Jonah and, and how God calls Jonah. And Jonah runs so far from God, he runs in the total opposite direction. He rebels and even after all the rebellion that he caused and all the people's lives that he put in danger and even after running away from God and not listening to him, we get this picture of grace from that story when he at his lowest in the belly of a fish probably with his last breath he cries out to God and he repents and God hears him and God rescues him and then God gives him the call again treating it like it never happened amen so forget what you heard like it never happened 
And then last week, story number three for Mother's Day, we, talk, we, we, we talked about the life of an Egyptian servant, an Egyptian slave girl named Hagar, and how she was rejected by her people, she was rejected by God's people, she was rejected and abused and mistreated by everybody. She was handled like she was just stuff. She was just something that belonged to somebody. And so it was so bad for her that even in, even in her pregnant stage, she ran away. And she leaves and, and she ran away pregnant and because she was treated so badly. And we get this picture of grace. This picture of a God who goes after a slave girl who doesn't mean anything to anybody who doesn't matter to anybody grace shows us the father going after a slave girl and he meets her at her lowest point calls her by her name knew who she was and who what she was doing and what she was about and loved her and spoke life and purpose into her life and and show we get the picture of God the father saying I see you I see you. So forget what you heard. Like it never happened. I see you. These are the, I want us to take these pictures of grace and put them in this little album in our hearts. Because I want to build something up in us. I, wanna, I want us to have an album to kind of go through. When, when things get difficult, when the storm comes on rainy days, I want us to have this album to go through, these pictures of grace where you can remember, whoa, like it never happened. Whoa, God sees me. Amen? See, as we, the, with the Word of God, as we unfold that map, we got to forget about trying to fold it up neatly again. Just let it unravel and let it unravel inside of us. Somebody say amen. So the series is titled, Forget What You Heard. The message today, story number four, it's still on. Tell two people, it's still on. Come on, it's still on. I don't know what he's talking about, but it's still on. I have a feeling we're going to find out in a minute, it's still on. For this one, I want to take a look at the life of Simon. We know him as Simon Peter. And I want to see what grace looks like in the life of this man. Amen? Are you ready? Come on, lean in, receive. If you're asleep, it's okay. I'll try to talk a little lower. Just let it sink in, God. Touch that heart. Bless them. Unless they're on Pinterest and that, then, then just forget it. Just kidding. So hopefully we can get another picture of grace to store away in our albums when things get difficult. So many of us here had, have had some awesome encounters with God. Has anybody here ever had like an encounter with God? What's an encounter? An encounter is when you know only God could have done this. Come on, there had to be a couple of us in here, right? Look around at the hands, amen? Isn't that exciting? Don't be upset if it's not true. Just look around and say, whoa, her? Whoa, him? He, she had an encounter with God because that means if it's possible for them, it's possible for you. Amen? So, so an encounter with God, we have these encounters. Listen, forget about praying for anybody, anything else. Don't pray for provision. Pray for encounter. Provisions pass. An encounter is forever. Amen? Man, I, I remember an encounter over 24 years ago before your pastor was even a Christian. 
Some of you may not know this. Some of you know the story full well. It's too long a story to get into. But just so that you know, before I was a Christian, I was searching for God. I was hungry for God. I wanted, I wanted more of this life. I felt at my young age, I already had done everything. I felt like I tried everything. I felt like none of this, everything is junk. I wanted more. And I was searching and searching. And so my, my, uh, my heritage and kind of my culture that, that, that I come from, being Cuban and being Puerto Rican, it, it, it led me to espiritismo. It led me to search for the saints. It led me to search for the religion of my culture, right? And so this might shock some of you, but I was I was a spirit medium. I was a a, a, a santero. I was an espiritista. And because I was searching for God and I wanted God. And so I had my own struggle with God and I was searching him. I thought I was doing the right thing. You know, they told me this was white magic. You might hear that in a lot of your Spanish homes. There's no such thing as white magic. Just to kind of clarify that, amen? It's all, it's all wicked, but, but that's a whole other message. I remember over 23 years ago, I was wrestling with God, and, and, and I, was about, I was dealing with my, my wife at the time, who was just my pretty little girlfriend. And I was in my white clothes with all my beads on. You guys know, right, my Spanish people? Ready to, to work, ready to go to, to the centro on, on Prospect, on East Prospect. In the Bronx, I come from Manhattan, that's like going to hell. East Prospect in the Bronx, especially back then, 23 years ago. But I didn't care because I, I wanted to do God's will. And so I remember this one particular night, I was fighting with my pretty little girlfriend. She didn't want me to go. She knew there was something wrong with what I was doing, but I knew this was what God wanted me to do. And so I was wrestling. I was about to leave that Friday night, and these ladies come out of a... Of a, of a, of a a Spanish Pentecostal Rajatabla Santo with the bun and the and and they came out of that church, man, and they grabbed me right outside in the street and they said, You need to come inside, I need to talk to you. And they brought me down into that basement apartment, and the spirit of God got into this lady, and she started speaking to me things that only God could know. And she called things and she she told me this wasn't a Long Island medium junk, but she just told me my past. She told me my past, my present, and my future. She told me things that nobody could know. And I knew that I had just had an encounter with the living God. And so there's encounters that we have that 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 involve presence. And then there's encounters that we have that involve provision. Come on, somebody say amen. I remember when we first got to this building, I was preaching on a rug with a little, a little music stand on a rug on the floor. And there was about 50 chairs and they were spread out real wide. Like you couldn't touch the person next to you. It was so... <laughs> I try to sit next to my wife and she's over there, you know, because we wanted to make it look big. You know, there were 50 chairs all we had in here and they were spread out. We're like, whoa, yeah, we could probably put 75 up in here, you know. And I was preaching down there on a little rug. And I remember, I said, God, I want to I build a stage, man. I want to have a platform, but I want to have a platform with a baptistry in it. You know, I'm thinking, we got like $6 in the bank, and we owed 4 But, you know, I, I said, I want to build a big stage. I want to have a baptistry in the stage so that people can get baptized in the stage. I had this dream, right? I wanted this thing, and, and I said, man, and I started planning it. And guess what God does? God sends me through crazy circumstances. Circumstances, he sends me somebody that's a carpenter. And so the carpenter says, I want to build this stage. And of course, how, much, how many of you know that all this lumber costs money? But we had $4. Right? 
And, and so, how many of you know that when God does something, and so God brought me the carpenter with the materials. And so the carpenter said, all I need is some people. And people we had, right? So me and Jay, a bunch of us here, we were here, we were here and we broke night on a Friday all the way in to, to the, through the night to build this thing. And so now I had research. I designed this thing. You know, I, I thought I'm like a designer. I'm play, messing with some stupid little program on, on Windows, right? And I designed the stage. I wanted the stairs, and I wanted the baptistry. And so I researched the baptistry, and I said, yeah, we'll get a baptistry. And, and so I, I got the specs, and I realized these things cost like $1,000, $2,000, $3,000, depending on what you want. And so I said, okay, so we're not going to buy one, but here's what I'll do. I'll build it so that we can drop it in when we can afford it. Amen? And so we built the stage with the exact measurements of the one that I pictured online, the one that I researched online. We built the stage, left the hole open. And, and, and what happens? We build the stage, and two weeks later, I get a phone call from a church that I don't know, from a church that doesn't know me, a Korean church in Queens. It says, Pastor, yes, um, we have an extra baptistry. Because we, we're moving to a building that has a baptistry and we have an extra baptistry. Somebody told me to call you that maybe you were looking for a baptistry. Are you serious? And so uh, I grabbed two or three guys. We rented a U-Haul and go to pick up this baptistry. You know, you never know when Christians want to give you something, this could be... You, you, you know what I'm saying, right? How many people tell you, oh, I want to give you a car, a used car. And they, well, it doesn't start. It only has two tires. It doesn't have an engine, but... But I heard the transmit. You know what I'm saying? Usually people give you junk. You know what I'm saying? So we rented this truck in faith and we went and we picked up. Do you know that we picked up a baptistry that when the four guys came with this baptistry, we were able to just go like this. Look. It fit exactly in the hole that we built without knowing. Come on, man. Come on. And it's in there right now. And we're going to do it now that the weather's getting warm. We're doing a baptism service. Everybody in here is getting baptized. Amen? Everybody. Some of you are going to hold on a little longer. So anybody had encounters like that? Is anybody? Right? I love hearing about those encounters. Isn't it awesome? We should take like our Wednesday night prayers and just talk about the encounters that we've had with God. Would that be good? All right. Let's start doing that. Amen. So, so if, if, if you've experienced those encounters, you know, you, you get so high, you get so close to God. It's like a drug, isn't it? it? It's an amazing thing. If anybody's been there, but can I ask you something? How long did it last? How long did it take for that high to wear off? Has anybody gone from encounter to fear? From fear to like doubt? Right? Like one minute you're saying, God, how could you know I needed a baptistry? How could you know the dimensions? And how could you know the size? And God, you're so good. And then something happens and you're like, uh, you know, if there is a God, you know, I just wish you would hear me. <laughs> right? Come on. Come on, get real. Go home. Get out of here. This place is for real. We ain't here to fake it. Right? You, you're in the wrong place. You want to fake it. So we go from, from this certainty to fear, man. And, and sometimes in that certainty, and, and you've probably been this, or you know people like this, in that certainty, in that power, you get so self-righteous. And you get so judgmental. 
Because you think, oh man, God touched me and God's talking to me. I never heard nobody else that had a baptistry delivered to them and drop it, you know. And so, and you can start, you know, and you talk to other church. Oh, bendito, you don't have a baptistry. <laughs> Obviously, God doesn't love you as much as he loved me, but um, yeah, you can come use our baptistry, you know. I mean, you can get self-righteous and you can, right, right? And then it's usually those people at that judgment level, those are the ones that fall the hardest. They fall the hardest. Next thing you see, their Facebook status is like, you know, doing palm readings or doing crazy. Like, you're like, really, man, you? You just had this encounter with God. You were, you were closer to God than you thought you were than anybody else. And now you're here. Well, I went through all that just to let you know Peter was one of those guys. We meet Peter in the first gospel. The gospel of, of Matthew, we meet him first in, in we, we meet Peter first in the gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. It says, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he sees Peter and Andrew in a fishing boat. And they're casting their nets, and he says to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the word says that they dropped their nets and followed him. You need to understand the weight of of that. He says, leave everything you're used to. Come on, somebody got to receive this today. Leave everything you're used to. Take what you do and take who you are and follow me. How many of God don't want to change you? He wants to use you. Come on, somebody grab that. God doesn't want to change you. He wants to use you. And so they, 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 they dropped the nets and they followed them. Listen, can I tell you something about that same call today? It's still on. That same call to follow me, it's still on. Tell somebody, it's still on. God still calls out to the unqualified and says, follow me. I'm going to use you and make something out of you. Follow me. I created you for more than this. Follow me. It's still on. Amen. Now, so that you understand a little better, that wasn't the first time that they met Jesus. That was the first time that God called them. They met Jesus, we read in John chapter 1, we found out that Andrew and John, they were followers of John the Baptist. And so they met Jesus when they were with John the Baptist one time, and Jesus comes, and John the Baptist stops everything. <coughs> and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of this world. So he, he proclaims that this is the Messiah. This is the one that I've been talking about. This is the one that I've been waiting for. This is the one that I've been preaching about. These people were following John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, listen, this is the man you need to follow. This is the Lamb of God. And so the word says that Andrew, he got so excited that he runs to get his brother and brings him to Jesus. Paul's side note. That should still be happening today. That should still be happening today. All over the Bronx today, in every church, they shouldn't be an empty seat. In every church that's preaching the gospel, let me make that clear. There shouldn't be an empty seat. You know why? Because we came and we had an experience with the Messiah and we met the Messiah and so we should go and get our brother and say, come meet the Messiah that I met. Come with me this week and meet the Messiah that I met. Amen? That, that should still happen. Family, if, if we've lost that excitement, we need to just remember those encounters. 
I shared mine today because I want I need to remember that when I stand on this platform, I need to remember that this is something that I couldn't do, but God did. I need to remember that this is something that wasn't me, it was Him. I need to remember I didn't build this church, He did. I, I need to remember you guys aren't here for me, you guys are here for Him. Amen? And if that's not true, then fix that. Hallelujah. So we, if, if we've lost that excitement, see, unfortunately, sometimes the longer we're in Christ, the more self-focused we get. And now we feel like, oh, I can't invite nobody to church. I'm barely making it there myself. I can't invite nobody to church. I work, man. They, they see me. They know sometimes I lose my mind. I slip a, I drop an F-bomb. I can't bring them to church. I can't invite nobody to church. They, this guy saw me the other day. I was stealing from the job and, you know, you know. And we get, and the more, and we forget, man, that when we came, we was thugging, stealing, robbing, lying, whatever, and we want God still loved us, amen? All right, let's move on. Family, it's time to live God loud, man. That call to follow, to disciple, to reach, and to teach, it's still on. It's still on, all right? So Andrew brings his brother Simon to Jesus, and a strange thing happens in your Bibles. If you look, Jesus meets his brother Simon, and in John 1, 42, it's, you know, it's like, hey, uh, Jesus, you know, this is my brother Simon. And, and it says in, in, in John 1, 42, Jesus looked at him and he said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated means Peter, which when Defined means rock. So he says, you are Simon, you will be the rock. Jesus meets Dwayne Johnson. He says, you will be the rock. From now on, I mean, isn't that, isn't that a strange thing that he would meet him? Listen, he meets him and he changes his name. Most, most of the times we read in scripture that God changes people's names after they've done something. Oh, come on, follow me, because this is for you. God changes people's names after they've wrestled with God, after they've responded, after they've repented, after they've shown some fruit, after they've, they've, they've shown themselves, after they've proved themselves. But here, you know, Abram becomes Abraham, father of many. Sarai becomes Sarah, princess. Jacob becomes Israel, he who strives with God. Saul becomes Paul. Sometimes God has to change your name to change your identity, amen? But we see a picture, here's another picture to put in your album. We see a picture of grace flow into Peter's life on day one. He just meets him and he says, you are the rock. Later on he'll say, and on this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. <laughs> Come on, somebody need to be more excited today. Before Peter does anything, before he attempts anything, before he accomplishes anybody, li listen, don't you, you stop telling God who he can use and when. Can we drop that old religious tendency from our old wherever we came from? You stop telling, you stop dictating when God can use somebody. God can use somebody whenever he wants to. They don't have to fix everything first. They don't have to stop smoking, stop this, or stop this. They don't have to do nothing but answer to God. If God says, I'm going to use him, you shut up and let him be used by God. Amen? Come on, man. It's time we break the back of religion up in the church. 
Jesus, the Word, speaks things that aren't as if they are. So God calls on Peter's life to be a rock. And even though Peter will not have the stability and strength to be a rock for a long time. Somebody say, that, trans that transformation takes a long time. Say amen. Say, he's still working on me. Amen. Even though it's going to be a long time, God's going to transform his naturally extreme character into something solid and reliable. Do you know that if you, if you read your Bibles, check this out. Every time the apostles are mentioned, Peter's listed first. Isn't that crazy? Peter wasn't the first. Every time he's mentioned, he's listed first. There, there was something special. Peter was brought in by his brother, but if we look through the word, Peter kind of took over and became in charge of all the, all the apostles. He's the spokesman for the group. He's the one that speaks out for them. Sometimes he puts his foot in his mouth, but he's the one that's, that's always, he becomes in charge of them, right? There's something about him. God says, you are the rock. And so Peter had, like us, some good days and some bad days. Amen. Three of the four Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and John, they recount the story of Jesus walking on water. We've, we've talked about that story. Jesus had just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, and he sends the disciples to the other side with the boat. Think about this. He says, while I dismiss all these people, there's 5,000 people here that we just fed. God just used the, the, the apostles with their baskets to feed 5,000 people. And they watched as the fish and the loaves never ran out. And so imagine this miracle. They're on a super high. Amen? And so he tells them, go to the boats and go to the other side while I disperse the people. And so the word says that they, that they go and in the fourth watch of the night... What's the fourth watch of the night? That's the last part of the night. That's from 3 in the morning to 6 in the morning. That's, how many know it's dark? That's the, in the midnight hour, that's the late time, amen? In the last part of the night, they're on the boat, and all of a sudden they see the, the appearance of a man walking on the water. And, and the, the disciples turn punks real quick, right? They start saying, oh my God! They're waking each other up, look, oh my God, oh my God. It's a spirit, it's a ghost. They're flipping out, right? And, and, and so, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the word, Jesus says, take courage. Have no fear. I love, I love those words. Can somebody receive that today? Listen, some of you are, you might be 50 and you're still scared of the dark. I'm not making a joke, I'm, I'm being honest. I kind of felt that when I wrote it. God is saying, even the dark is not dark to me. And even in the dark, I'm there. And so I just, God just wants to say, take courage. Take courage. Have no fear. I remember Psalm 139. Not even the dark is dark to me. All right, so anyway. So, so Peter says, Peter, he says, it's me, it's Jesus. Have no fear. Take, and, and so Peter says, if it's you, help, tell me to, call me to come out to you. That's Peter, right? Always putting his foot in his mouth. Always going, going big. He's like, Peter goes big or go home. He's, that's, that's his motto, Amen. So he says, if it's you, then call me to come out to you. And Jesus says, well, come. Vente. Vente. You bad? Vente. How I many of you know, Peter, God, Jesus spoke Spanish. He said, vente. Come. Come. Pedro, come on. So Peter, you know the story. Peter steps out of the boat and he starts walking on the water. How I many of you know that's a good day? 
That's a good day. Say, that's a good day. Come on, if it was you, that would be a good day. Amen? And then in Matthew 14, he records it this way. He says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Listen, we might not be walking on the water too often, but like Peter, we step out of boats all the time. Come on, am I speaking to anybody? We step out and we trust God just like Peter and, and, and the experience, we experience the power of God when we succeed at it. Anybody succeeded? You stepped out in faith and God met you there and you succeeded. And we, we see the power of God. And then we also, when we fail, we see the hand of God rescuing us. I mean, you know, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. When you step out, when you step out in faith, it's a win-win. Because even if you succeed, it's a win and there's glory. Even if you fall, the hand of God grabs you and it's still a win. Somebody say amen. I believe when, the, when it comes to the call to step out of boats and to step into faith, tell two people it's still on. That call is still on. It's time for somebody in here to step out in faith. It's time for some of you in here to stop holding on to what you hold on to and, and step out in faith. Somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Whoo. Let me catch my breath here. I lost my spot. I don't know about what you see here, but I get a picture of grace that says, you can try new things, and if you succeed, amen, and if you fail, I'm still here. Now, I don't know what background you came from and where, you know, what some pastor has drilled into your head that you better do things perfectly and you do things in excellence and don't do it unless it can be done perfect. Don't do it. Don't bring it before the Lord unless you can do it right. I, I see a picture of grace that says something totally different. I see a picture of grace that says try it. Try. You can try. And if you fail, my hand is here, still here to pick you up. Amen? File that under grace. We can judge and criticize Peter all we want, but nobody else stepped out the boat that day. I'm just saying. Right? Nobody else. We can judge and say, man, okay, Bruto, man. He should. Why he doubt, man? He was right there. Oh, man. If I would have taken two steps on the water, I would be jogging. I'd be, woo! Woo! Skipping, you're lying because because nobody else stepped out the boat that day. So, if that was the environment, I, I feel like once he somebody would have took two steps, the other Andrew would have jumped out. Whoa, yeah! And, but nobody else stepped out the boat. So, you can judge all you want, but there were other times, of course, that Peter just didn't get it. I don't want to paint the wrong picture of Peter. There were times where Peter just didn't get it. In Matthew 16, Jesus was predicting his death. He's telling the guys, he's talking to his disciples, he says, listen man, I'm going to go into Jerusalem soon and I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to be killed. I'm, I'm going to be killed. They're going to capture me. We're going to, they're going to torture, you know, they're going to crucify me. And, 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 and Peter, Peter took him aside. I feel this was like a good fellas moment. Peter took Jesus aside. He said, listen bro, Listen, man, I don't want you talking like that no more. 
This, it says Peter rebuked Jesus. He took him aside and began to rebuke him. He said, listen, listen, man. God, that's not going to happen to you. I don't want you talking like that no more, all right? We're going to go back with the fellas, but I don't want you talking like that no more. And Jesus turned to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God. You're mindful of the things of men. And even after that rebuke, check this out, because Peter's thick-headed sometimes, right? Even after that rebuke, Jesus said what's going to happen. He told them, I'm going to be captured, I'm going to be tortured, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be crucified, I'm laying down my life. He's saying, understand, this is my will, I'm laying down my life. This is the Father's will. Even after he rebukes them, we read in three of the Gospels that when Judas betrayed Jesus and the soldiers came to arrest him, the first man that stepped out to grab Jesus, he lost his ear. Who pulled out the knife? Pedro the Puerto Rican. First guy to pull out. That's how we knew. That's how we knew he was Puerto Rican. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's okay to have a little fun. Amen. But Peter's the first one that pulls out the knife, cuts off the man's ear. Jesus said, listen, listen, listen. We're not going to have that. We're not going to have that. And he touches the man's ear and he heals heals his ear. Can you imagine? He, he touches him and he heals his ear and, and he tells the disciples, am I not to drink the cup that the Father has for me? Now, before, so, so, so if, if you've done some stupid things in church, it's, somebody say, it's okay. Peter, Peter got bigger than you, amen? Even before we read, before all this happened, we read that at the Last Supper, Jesus was telling them, again, he was telling them, I'm going to go away. And, and in John 13, is a funny little dialogue between Peter and Jesus. In John 13, 36, Simon Peter asked him, well, where are you going? I, I, for some reason, Peter gets real ghetto to me at this point. Jesus said, I'm going to go away. And, and Peter says, well, where are you going? And Jesus replies, where I'm going, you can't follow, but you will follow later. And verse 37 said, Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? Read your word. Listen. He said, why can't, why can't I come? He said, you can't come, but you're going to come later. But, but where I go, you can't. Well, how come I can't come? How come I can't follow you now? And then he goes on to say, well, Jesus, I'm, why can't I follow you now? I laid down my life for you, Papa. I'm your ride or die. He, he's saying to Jesus. And Jesus answered, Papito, will you really lay down your life for me? He answered, I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows today, you're going to deny me three times. And then, of course, we read that after that, they took Jesus into the courts. Peter was outside, and the Gospels recorded all different ways, but the gist of it is this. Three times, Peter is asked, aren't you one of his guys? And, and he goes, no, man, that wasn't me. Wait, didn't I see you in the court with him when he was arrested? Nah, man, I wasn't even there. Aren't you from, from his town? Aren't you? Peter said, nah, man, it's not me. I wasn't even there. I don't even know him. And he denies him three times. And, and Luke is the only one to record it this way. Luke says, just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the words the Lord has spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, 
you will disown me three times. And it says, Peter went out and wept bitterly. I can't imagine what the next three days were like for Peter. Can you, can you imagine what he felt? Can you imagine the last time he looked at Jesus was after he finished speaking, I don't even know him. He's not mine. I don't follow him. I'm not one of his. That's not me. You didn't see me with him. And he, the last thing he sees is, is the face, is the compassion, the love of God. Not, not going like this, I told you so. I told you you were derelict. I told, just, just the compassionate look of God as the rooster crows. And he remembers and he, he weeps bitterly. I can't imagine after all those experiences that he had walking with Jesus, after all the miracles that he saw, after there was no excuse for him to doubt God, I can't imagine how he feels because at, his, at Jesus' darkest hour, Peter gave in to fear and turned on him. Family, if we're honest with each other, we've had those moments, right? Where we've totally blown it. Anybody here? You don't have to raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you. We've had those moments where we totally sell out to God. We didn't do what we knew we should have done. We did exactly the opposite. We refused God. We, we, we denied Him. Man, you can put that into any category. You messed up. In your, in your relationship with your, with your kids. You messed up in your relationship with your spouse. You messed up at work. You messed up on people. You messed up on your friends. We, we could just put that into every, every single area. We've given into fear. Fear that, that people won't like us. Fear that people will think we're strange. Fear, fear that people will reject us if we invite them to meet the Messiah that we met. I'm going to give you one last picture of grace for your album. Worship team, you guys can come up. This is a beautiful picture. I want you to cherish this picture of grace that we see in this passage. When the Sabbath was over, the Word tells us, that Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, went to the tomb with spices so that they can anoint the body. And so when Mary, Mary get there, they find that the stone has been rolled away. The stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty. And they step into the tomb, they see it empty and there's a young man standing there, an angel of the Lord. He was waiting for them and in Mark 16, 4 it says it this way, and he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now go and tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. You got to understand, the disciples had completely failed Jesus. Not one of them were there at this point. They completely failed him. He had every right to be done with them. But in grace, he extends an invitation to the disciples. 
He says, tell the disciples to meet me in Galilee. Understand, it was a call to come back to Jesus. This is a beautiful picture. Watch this. It was a call to meet Jesus again. It was a call. It was an invitation. Fathers on the grace family. He's saying, I don't care what you did. I don't care what you didn't do. I don't care where you are right now. I don't care that you're doubting right now. I don't care how far away from me you are. I'm going before you and I want you to meet me. Some of you need to respond right now. You can respond right now. You don't have to wait for me to finish. God is calling you to come back to him. God is calling you to meet him. He said, I've gone before you. He's calling you to meet him. But the most beautiful picture here is not, not that not only was he inviting all the disciples, which would have included Peter. He says, tell the disciples and Peter. He mentioned them by name. He says, tell the, the, we can only imagine what Peter has been going through all this time. How he's beat himself up these past few days. How he's wrestling with fear and doubt and shame and condemnation for denying Jesus three times just before he was led away to be tried and crucified. I don't know how long you have been beating yourself up or living in shame or condemnation. Because of something you did in the past or something you didn't do. But the picture of grace is for those of us that feel we've messed up the worst. Can I have your attention for just a moment? We're the lowest. We carry the most shame. God cannot forgive me. I can't forgive me. God doesn't want me anymore. Not after that. I did this. I did that. Listen, grace says... Tell the disciples and that guy. Tell the disciples and that lady. Tell the disciples and that group over there. Tell the disciples and that family. Tell the disciples and him. Tell the disciples and that teenager. Tell the disciples and that guy. Tell the disciples and that other dude over there. Tell the disciples and, and, and him that my call, my promises, my love, it's still on. It's still on. Can we just stand? I want to give you a chance to respond. I love that picture. That he would take the guy that messed up the worst. And he says, tell the disciples and that guy that I'm going to go before him to Galilee and I want him to meet me there. If you're that guy, if you're that girl today, if you're that family, if you're that teenager, if you're that young person, if you're that single mom, if you're that single dad, if that's you today, Jesus is saying it's still on. Come, I'll go before you. I want to I meet you there. Would you come and meet him today? Would you come and, and meet him today as we worship? Yes. In the final chapter in the Gospel of John, 
This is after Jesus is resurrected. Jesus made appearances to people. And in one of these appearances, he confronts Peter in one of these resurrection appearances. And he asks Peter, I love that Jesus comes to him and he doesn't say, are you sorry? You promise you're never going to do that again? Are you going to listen to me now? Are you going to get it right this time? Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, I love you. He said, then feed my sheep. And then he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, God, you know that I love you. And he said, then feed my sheep. And then Jesus says a third time, he says, do you love me? And Peter gets upset at that because it reminds him of the three times that he denied God. And he says, God, you know my heart. You know that I love you. And so he says, then feed my sheep. And so Jesus allowed Peter a threefold public affirmation of his love after to replace his threefold denial. Come on. And then he gives him a threefold challenge. Each time he told him, now go feed my sheep. Family, that call is still on. And so here are the titles so far. Forget what you heard. Because with God, it's like it never happened. And I see you. And my call and my promise, it's still on. Come on, let's worship.